If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, would you like to take a pause now? No, I think I can keep going. Okay, <laughs> all right. See, all that talking made me sweat a lot. Oh, good. So one way or another, the moisture is getting out of my system. Okay. Perhaps I should clarify, since we're apparently in the podcast now. I told Jack before we started that I really needed a piss before the debate started, but I decided to hold on to it because really needing a piss can be a vital injection of energy when you're about to do some kind of speaking role. Absolutely. You know what else really helps? Being cold. Being cold? Being cold. If if you're ever at like a, a live theater, a comedy club, anything like that, they crank the AC because if you're too warm, you get comfortable and complacent. They keep you cold, chilly, moving. I see. So all of this uh, is based on the notion that uh, if you can put your body into panic mode, you'll be better at making decisions quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh shit, I'm going to piss myself and I'm about to freeze to death. Wait, I've just had the greatest idea. <laughs> Let's put my game in early access. Oh snap. Okay, so here's the thing. Early access. Yes. There obviously this like every topic falls under the well it depends category, but overall, what are your feelings? Well, as you say, it's definitely a case by case basis thing because early access certainly is of benefit to low-level indie developers mm -hmm. as you as you said that it's most useful for people who need a, a broad amount of qa testing yes which is generally the case for most online games and also for games with a complicated uh, procedural system where you can't reasonably be expected to test every possible random scenario <laughs> yeah i had that problem making consuming shadow there was like one specific random scenario that made the game crash and it would be like happening like one in a hundred games Oh, and and did you find out about it through player testing or after it was released? I found out about, about it with a combination of the two, really. <laughs> okay, but it was on, it was only from having lots of people play the game that it was that it was nailed down mm -hmm. and finding out exactly what they were doing that caused the bug. Mm. So yeah, it's useful for that sort of thing. Where it's not useful is in anything that's uh, story based. Anything mm -hmm. that's uh, linear, anything that you could spoil for yourself. Right. Because I do think um, if you ruin the first impression of something, you're never going to, uh, playing the finished version is never going to be the same, no matter how much they pretty and improve it. Yeah, and that's, that's I think, a, a great point to start off on, which is I cannot name for you a game that I played in early access that I when, that I then went on to play when it was in full release. Hmm. None at all. I may. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I know, or none that come to mind, at least. I remember thinking about this when um, what was it? Layers of Fear was an early access game, mm -hmm. which is a walking simulator, to put it bluntly. Mm -hmm. And I wonder why you would ever buy a walking simulator early access. Why you would? <laughs> why you would release a walking simulator early access? I mean, what do you need to test in a walking simulator? <laughs> oh no, they didn't quite walk through this door efficiently enough <laughs> better get on to that 
Right. Well, but it's just like you say, first impressions are so important. And, you know, like a lot of times I'll get 15, 20 hours into an early access game and then just kind of be done with it. And then they say, oh, well, we've added a new boss. We've added a new level. And I'll just say, oh, I d- I'm done. I've, I've had my time. Yeah. It's not going to be a hugely new experience. I mean, if they keep adding content, you come back to it like five years down the line. Right. Something interesting might happen. It's also, uh, as well as the first impression that the individual players get, it's also usually when a game comes out early access, that's the first impression it gets on the general media. Exactly. If, it, if the game's got like an interesting idea, the media goes, ooh, here's an interesting idea. Check this game out. <laughs> and then by the time 1.0 comes out, the zeitgeist has generally moved on you've you've missed your spark everyone played the game while before it was good and now that's the impression they've got <laughs> no one wants to like oh I'll, I'll write a a second review of it now that it's out in full no i already wrote a review of it and like it yes. doesn't matter this is why i now have a very specific policy of never reviewing an early access game while it's still in early access i, I think that's absolutely fair because anything i complain about they can fix and then my review just has to stay the same as it is can't fix my review <laughs> i just just have to sit there being wrong forever yep 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 i think a similar thing about episodic games okay i don't think it's fair to review them from just their first episodes anymore but again by the time the last episode comes out no one's talking about it anymore it's like <laughs> the last episode comes out and you think oh is that still happening yeah i stopped caring well, it's, it's and it's it's being abused. I think one of uh, a very good point you made during the show was that now that now big studios are hopping on the early access beta testing, alpha testing bandwagon to start revenue coming earlier. Yeah, and and it's it's turning into a system where there is absolutely no incentive to put out a complete game anymore. No, they, they've got the money. At least the smaller developers might be developing the games as with some sort of artistic drive. <laughs> right. They want to be proud of their product. The corporations don't care. They got the money. The, the, the corporate system has officially worked. Yeah. It yeah. needs to do nothing more. And they will keep testing those boundaries. How little of a game can they give you before you will not buy it anymore? That's the boundary that they are testing right now. Can we go back to demos and shareware being standard uh yeah i I mean i uh, there there's been several kickstarters that i have backed that have had playable demos well that's good i i do enjoy that they seem to be the minority these days Mm -hmm. it's it seems absurd well it would have seemed much more absurd about 20 years ago if i'd known that uh, a common and successful marketing practice is to get people to play the game on little more than just understanding what the premise is <laughs> hearing the idea behind it with nearly even a trailer even like mm-hmm. 10 years ago you might you might reasonably pay money for a game based just based on the trailer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was still kind of fucked in its own way because it's never going to be this never going to be as informative as a demo yes but now people just say i'm I mean, there was that time in E3 when the dude came on stage and saying, hey, we're making Shenmue 3, here's the Kickstarter. Yeah. No trailer, no demo. It was just, hey, I've thought of something. Give me, give me some money. <laughs> but isn't that a wonderful and terrible insight into how the business structure, the, the big AAA industry works? Because that's exactly what would happen inside of a studio. Hmm. Is someone would have a couple pieces of art 
and maybe an idea of how the gameplay would work. And they'd say, hey, uh, Ubisoft, give me money to make this, right? That's how it works. Yeah, but uh, as I said, the people you're entreating for money in that case are experienced business people Mm -hmm. who understand the industry somewhat. And I think when you shift the responsibility of deciding whether you make something to a bunch of overexcited fanboys, that's when the shit grinds in the gears. (laughs) On, On that note, what I can say is what I think is an absolute weird positive to this is it does give everyday consumers a little insight into the the decision making process of big businesses i think it's very like if if any of us myself included because i have been if you've ever been a part of a kickstarter campaign where the game has failed they've they've kept all your money they didn't deliver what's promised to why do you think AAA developers stick to tried and true game mechanics why do you think that they don't want to gamble because they've also lost money on game gambles yeah yeah and so it gives you this weird empathy for big corporations you know like not full empathy obviously they're all bastards well yeah (laughs) it's just you know they're bastards but they rose to the top for a reason. Eh. <laughs> so there was, there's probably at least one person still in most of the big corporations who was like with them since the 90s and occasionally get brought on stage to pretend they're excited about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those people were the creatives back in the day. Your Sid Meier's, your Will Wright's, your Peter Molyneux's. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they, they've got the experience. Yeah, experience doesn't always equal good. Well, no, quite. I mean, we mentioned that. mentioned Peter Molyneux. That's a classic example. <laughs> but, you know, it's still better than just asking random plebs to pay. I, I, you know, I can't agree and I can't. I think there's been enough successes that have come out of early access, that have come out of Kickstarter, where I think even for all of the crap that comes out of it, it's still worth it because it gives the little guy that chance. I suppose, yeah. There are, you do get the odd examples of uh, really interesting artistic stuff mm-hmm. you know, being made because of this. Yeah. And um, is that like the the object though? Or is that just like a side benefit? <laughs> Seems to me largely it's just a way to... Uh, move money around essentially randomly and it's and because we get a couple of good examples that's just you know we r- randomly drew the right number on a roulette wheel every now and again and something good happened but most of the time it's the whole system's kind of fucked yes the whole system's not kind of fucked the whole system's very fucked all right and and here's here's why because um people in charge of marketing got a hold of the system oh those marketers source of all the problems in the world they really are no and and they what they discovered was that you know all of these kickstarter campaigns were getting an incredible amount of buzz and not only were the campaigns getting buzz but then you had a way of interacting with your customers on uh, on a on a good level you got all their information right through kickstarter Ooh, now we can directly market right to these people and yeah and so then you have another, another great reason not to buy early access there. <laughs> it really is no, but i guess enough 
evil shadowy corporations have our information these days it's hard to keep track what's one more right well to to me the nefarious part was you you would have games that could get funding through a big publisher you'd have games that you know they could self-publish and just be fine but they went to kickstarter purely for the marketing angle hmm. and they started to game the system like like uh I mean, you know what i'm thinking of is uh is like mighty number no. nine yeah yeah where you have like well-established developers a creative team who know enough people in the industry that that game could have been made within the industry they went to kickstarter to sell it yeah and made a whole bunch of money made a whole crap load of money on a crap game and partly it's the addition it's the addition of a whole bunch of unexpected more money into these projects that is their downfall Mm -hmm. because often they have like their reasonable expectations for features but when they make so much money suddenly they have to go to their stretch goals and a lot of these they're just pulling out of their ass they're saying yeah in the fantasy hypothetical scenario where we get this much we're going to add we're going to make it a massive multiplayer game or something oh crap we got that much and they find themselves having to do that and this is it's it's like the way populism infected politics mm-hmm. it's like suddenly the expectation of the wider fan base of idiots who threw their money because you made them starry-eyed for a moment <laughs> And now you're stuck trying to make it and you end up in the Star Citizen loop. Yeah, yeah, that's another great example. I mean, Broken Age, which was the the first big Kickstarter success, Mm -hmm. I feel confident in saying. As far as like like with big in all caps, yes. Yeah, Tim Schafer went on to Kickstarter and said, hey, we want to make a traditional adventure game like what LucasArts used to make, like what Tim Schafer used to make with LucasArts when he was making Day of the Tentacle and Grim Fandango and all of that business. Yeah. So they made all that all that huge amounts of money and suddenly they had to they suddenly felt all this increased pressure. <laughs> so then the this the product yeah. ends up being really weirdly extravagant in some ways and really weak in others. Mm. Like they got all these big Hollywood voice actors in. Because they can, they have the money, right. They paid, exactly. paid them very large chunks of money. And then the end result, speaking as someone who's played a lot of nineties adventure games, was a as a very, very weak source one. I I can agree with that. I think I think as far as adventure games are concerned, it's mediocre. That being said, it's I I feel it is kind of what it promised to be. Like it it's an old school adventure game with a striking uh, art style. I guess, That's, but I feel like if you promise something and then make millions of dollars, your first thought is not going to be wow i'd better bring this game out quickly and wouldn't well your first your first thought is going to be i no longer have to worry i can now sit back and snort fruit flavored sherbet off the buttocks of dusky maidens and uh <laughs> you could literally just fart anything out at that point you've made the money yeah as long as it checks the boxes that's true i feel when you i feel the system was much better when you'd I mean, as I say, a lot of games go unnoticed in the in the thick swamp that is Steam these days. But if you just make something good and get it out there, if it's good enough, usually it it gets noticed. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. The good the good always rises to the top. Theoretically, I should say. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff that maybe wouldn't have like general appeal, but might appeal specifically to you, mm-hmm. what you probably wouldn't hear about. I, I played a game on Steam out of nowhere called uh post void okay which is a really 
uh, reminds me of Starfetchers a bit. Very anarchic, punky approach to graphics. And this sort of, it's almost like a a screaming sequence of noise and colour right into your face in the style <laughs> of a roguelike shooter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that uh, going around. It's like you're, you like hold a skull or something, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And it's got that sort of 80s heavy metal album cover appeal that always draws me to like that sort of that style of punk game design Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's got mainstream appeal i don't think many people would like it and that's the sort of thing i wouldn't really expect to float to the top and didn't really float to the top well it float it floated to your top floated to my top somehow and i randomly (laughs) played it and uh well i did but it's there's not much to it in the end you like go through 11 levels and that's about it and i know i'd be disappointed if it had been hyped up to me beforehand and i paid a bunch of money for early access <laughs> well but the the other the other side of this coin is that there there's probably someone out there who will make a fantastic game a game that you think is fantastic but because of their current situation they're not able to dedicate the time to make that game Hmm. And so the the hope the the pipe dream of early access is it lets someone focus solely on game development. That's true, but I don't think the people investing have enough of a analytical mindset about it. All they see is the promise of the product when they should be considering the history of the person who made it, whether they ha- whether they apparently have the chops to make it. Mm-hmm. no it's a it's an industry that banks ideas it's not it's selling ideas it's not selling anyone's ability to realize those ideas that's true that's true well and i'd like to hope and this is a, a big hope because you know there's there's a lot of dummies out there but you would like to hope that now that we fully understand kickstarter and early access we are getting a little more savvy as consumers to say oh this person has had three Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, I look at the review for all of them, and all three of them have been terrible reviews, and now they're asking for a fourth. Hmm. This is all the ongoing process of removing individuality from industry. Because this is all like turning the games industry into something powered by algorithms and mm-hmm. and what made the numbers and... Uh, and uh, where the random money falls. Whereas previously, this sort of creative industry was gated by editors and publishers who analysed things and tried to decide if they were worth publishing. And that would involve a human decision. Mm-hmm. And then that system was, I think, was better at analysing the merit of these things. Mm. So as I say, modern society generally has turned against the expert. Uh, yeah it's 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 bringing the message everywhere you look that your instinct is as much use as the expertise of people who've known this for years (laughs) i mean is it so arrogant to say that i think my opinion as a 13 year game review veteran might possibly be worth more than a random commenter on youtube oh right yeah is it arrogant of me to say that that my view might have more value than that person's uh, I don't think it is. I, I don't think it's arrogant of you to say that. At the same time, I also think that the other system had its own problems. The The other system had its editors, had its gatekeepers, and 
we you got a lot of crap through that system and you got a lot of you know recycled game ideas you had a lot of trend chasing not to say we don't in the kickstarted system either <laughs> well that is a problem with committees who are just trying to toe the party line of bringing more money for the company mm-hmm. it's not the it's not an issue with individual editors well but if those individual editors are the one in charge of the company well if if that well what matters is that the editor have some kind of artistic motivation in in themselves that the publisher have some motivation other than acquiring money. Right. Well, and so, like, again, to me, this is potato, potato. This, this is the same thing that we've seen in the corporate structure, but now in the early access Kickstarter structure, it's all being laid out in front of us. And, and so things fall down to the lowest common denominator. Just as they did in the big system. The people who have absolutely no savvy for what to spend their money on end up running the system rather than <laughs> rather than the professionals no i i i guess I'll, I'll and by the way like before we get too deep into this i i think overall let me just get this out here because i'm defending early access a lot but overall i think early access is a very bad thing <laughs> i i think like i'm i'm defending it a lot but i personally uh, have found more wrong with it than right Hmm. Well, that wasn't clear. Oh, yeah, I know. And I realize that as I'm defending it vehemently. But I also think that there is like the 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 problems that I have with early access are the same problems that I have with the big the big publishers. They're all making the same decisions. Either it's behind closed doors or it's in front of our eyes. I just need to report that the battery indicator on my recorder is looking very low. So this Uh might cut me off at any moment. Okay, well, yeah, we're getting there. So perhaps we should hastily wrap this up. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, just because we've gotten some good games out of early access doesn't mean it's a perfect system. I think the fact that we've gotten a few good games out of early access is comparable to feeling good because some people demonstrated charitable instincts of and giving away of food and water in the aftermath of a gigantic nuclear blast (laughs) said great look at this here's some hope for humanity what a great story and it's kind of sort of overlooking the nuclear blast that uh, made it necessary i think in both structures the publisher structure and in the early access structure you have those with good artistic intent and you have those looking to make a quick buck and you should be a savvier consumer you certainly should be i think that, that that'll do okay great because now it's fucking flashing at me i need to stop <laughs> okay good. okay goodbye everyone goodbye everyone hope you had a good time <laughs> I'll, I'll record this on my end uh, in case Yahtzee's microphone dies. Uh, make sure if you haven't listened to the episode uh, that this conversation was based on is, is early access a good thing? It's over on escapistmagazine.com where you can also become an Escapist Plus member or a YouTube member and then you can get an ad-free viewing of our videos. You can ask the creators questions. You get special little uh, titles for our live streams if you become a YouTube member. All that information is over on escapistmagazine.com dot com.